Now at this point of the service, we're going to read from the scriptures. I'm going to read a few verses from Luke's gospel. And then immediately after this reading, we're going to invite um, Mrs. Lowe the Younger. Is that okay? Now that sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, Mrs. Lowe the Younger is going to come and um, uh, minister to us in song. Uh, Luke chapter 1. You have your back. Chapter 1. Let's hear the word of the Lord. It says in Luke 1 verse 39. And Mary arose in those days. And went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah. And entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth rejoice, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is in them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their heart. He hath put down the mighty from their seats, and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, this piece I'm going to sing is called Who Would Imagine a King? And I've never sang without music before, so please <laughs> bear with me. Okay. Mommies and daddies always believe that their little angels are special indeed. And you could grow up to be But who would imagine a king, a shepherd or teacher is what you could be, or maybe a fisherman out on the sea, or maybe a carpenter. Bill 
really lovely. Who could imagine a king? And of course, the news today is the king has come. Glory to God. And that king is none other than the Lord Jesus. He's going to read from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to the end. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 20. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifest the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we may live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent the Son to be the propitiation for, for our sins. Beloved, sorry. beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time, and if we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Saviour of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love of God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as is he, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts us out fear, because fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? Thank you. Mark apologizes. He said he has the cold as well. So I forced him to read. <laughs> but thank you very much, Mark. We appreciate your reading today. Morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1, verse 47. 
And my theme today is a proper view of the Saviour. Now, the word Saviour is a lovely word. Think of these words of Mary. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. And the word Saviour, I believe, is a a lovely and wonderful word in the Bible. And it's significant that it's used 39 times in the Scriptures. 15 in the Old Testament. One of the chief references being Isaiah 43, verse 11. I, even I, am the Lord. And besides me, there is no Saviour. Did you know it's used 24 times in the New Testament? And the first reference is part of Mary's song in the house of Elizabeth, her cousin. And there she is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that she says in that song, And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. You see, the word Savior is connected to the birth of Christ. And the penultimate reference before the last reference in Jude is found in 1 John 4 verse 14 that Mark read for us. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And in that verse, the Father stands first. He is absolutely sovereign. He has given preeminence, the first place. Because he's the one who did the sending of the Son. The Son didn't come independently of the Father. He came to do the Father's will. The Son, of course, is the center of that verse. The reference is to Christ being preeminent in his person and work. Life revolves around the Son because in him we have life. Without the Son we do not have life. Life ought not to be lived in the edge or lived in the periphery. No, the center of our lives ought to be Christ. And the last mention in 1 John 4, 14 is the word world. And we think of us living in the world, a cruel world, a cursed world, a condemned world, a careless world. And, and, and of course, think of how careless the world is in relation to the Lord. Remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 106 verse 2. They forgot their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt. Imagine that, forgetting the Savior. You see, into this world, God the Father sent God the Son into this cursed, condemned, godless, careless place. Why? And here's the answer. It's bound up in this one word. Savior. As I've said, the word Savior is a lovely word. It's a beautiful word. It's a wonderful word. And Mary is singing and announcing, My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Link it up with the hymn. My story, my song, my Savior. You see, Christ coming into the world is connected to this beautiful word. And I want us to think for a few minutes of Mary's first use of the word Savior in the New Testament. And I want us to try and get a proper view of the Savior this morning. First of all, Mary recognized her need of the Savior. She talks about my Savior. I'm going to ask this morning, what is man's greatest need? And I'll answer that. Man's greatest need is to be saved from his sin. 
and its consequences. Wasn't it announced by the angel to the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour, which is Christ the Lord. You see, Jesus Christ, God's son, the saviour, is God's remedy for human sinfulness. Remember when he was born, Joseph in a dream, the angel of the Lord said to him, and She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Someone said not so long ago, if man's greatest need was information, God would have sent an educator. Or if man's greatest need was technology, God would have sent a scientist. Or if man's greatest need was money, God would have sent an economist. Or if man's greatest need was pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. Or if man's greatest need was morality, God would have sent a moralist into the world. And I could even add to that, if man's greatest need was religion, God would have sent a religious leader. But I want to tell you, Jesus Christ didn't come into the world as a religious leader. He came into the world as its saviour. Remember what we've said, and we have seen, and to testify what? That the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Therefore, man's greatest need is having the sin problem dealt with. Man's greatest need is the forgiveness of his sins. Sin is being dealt with because God sent and provided the Lord Jesus as the Savior. What is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. When did we sin? The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. When did all sin? We sinned in Adam. In Adam we became guilty sinners. We inherited the guilt of Adam's first transgression because of our union with Adam. Adam's the father, the the head representative of the human race. And of course, every other sin incurs additional guilt. And not only did we become guilty sinners, but we became polluted sinners. As Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful and above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our heart loves sin. We, we, we have a bias to sin the moment we're born. We, we, we gravitate to sin. Wasn't it the psalmist said, Behold, I was shaping in iniquity, and then sin did my mother conceive me. I want to ask this morning, have you ever recognized your need of a saviour? Because your sin has been brought before you. Remember the psalmist said, My sin is ever before me. Have you ever seen your sin as a transgression of the law of God? Have you ever seen your sin in this light that knowing to do good and doing it not, it is sin? Do you know that your unbelief is sin? Not loving God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength is sin. Not loving God at all is sin. Do you know that doing unrighteousness is sin? The Bible tells us that men love darkness because their deeds are evil. And if they love darkness, they hate the light. Have you ever been filled with the consciousness of that sin? Your sin? Remember Peter said, Lord, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. 
It was the publican that said, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Here's Mary announcing, my soul or my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. Why? Because she recognized that she was a sinner, that, that she needed a Savior. Mary was not born sinless. I want to tell you that. Mary was not conceived without sin. We don't believe in the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception as taught this very day by Roman Catholicism. Our uh, belief in the um, Virgin Mary is, is stands in contrast to what uh, Roman Catholicism teaches because our belief is based on the few references given to her in the Bible. And here's one of the central ones that proves that. My soul hath rejoiced in God my Savior. The second thing that I believe Mary did when she made that statement she realized the nature of the Savior. Remember, she was told by the angel Gabriel, you're going to conceive in your womb a son. His name's going to be Jesus. He shall be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. God's going to give him the throne of his father David. Of his kingdom, there'll be no end. And in verse 35 of Luke 1, he told her, he'll be called the son of God. You see, Mary realized, I believe it was revealed to her by the Holy Spirit, who he was. She talks here about God, my Savior. You see, the babe at Bethlehem this morning that, that we're thinking about his birth of is none other than God in the flesh. He's the God-man. He, he's Emmanuel. Anything that ends in E-L means God. God with us. This is what Timothy said, great is the mystery of God, and as God was manifest in the flesh. You see, the Lord Jesus was not just a good man and a great man and a gracious man, but remember this, and this is the part of the Christmas story. He's the God-man. And I, I'm saying this morning, you cannot be a true believer if you deny the doctrine of the virgin birth. You cannot be a true believer if you deny the eternal sonship of Jesus Christ. You cannot be a true believer if you deny the doctrine of the incarnation. God was manifest in the flesh. And, 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 and that's, that's important that you realize that. Who he was. Why did he come? He came to be the Savior. What was he like? Let, let me just add you this wee bit. The Bible says here, if you think of Luke chapter 1, uh, and over there in, in the scriptures, the the, the um, angel uh, said to Mary and he shall be great he shall be great great in what now let me suggest this morning as we come to a close he's great in pardon do you know that in 1945 in a Christmas Eve service in Nuremberg there was 14 people there was a pastor an American preacher I don't know his name a chaplain and there was 13 in the congregation they were all Nazi war criminals they sang silent night they read from luke chapter 2 emphasizing 10 to 13 the chaplain preached on the word savior he came back in Prince's day they had another wee service 10 months later all of these nazi leaders were executed but some of them before they were executed told the chaplain and I, dr barnes might know his name but this is what some of those men said, and Dennis Hall's not here to give me their names, very hard German names, so I'm not even going to try and repeat them, but Dennis told me this the other day, and he said that some of them told the chaplain, 
I have put my trust in the blood of Christ to cleanse me, because the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Another said to him, I will see you in heaven because I'm trusting in Christ, my Savior. You see, the Lord Jesus, remember, came for the worst of sinners. If he saved the chief of sinners, the apostle Paul, and remember what the apostle Paul was able to say to the church at Galatia, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you. But ye are washed, that is in the blood. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We sing the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. You see, there's a great pardon. He shall be great because he's great in his pardon. Do you know this pardon? Didn't Micah talk about who is a pardoning God like thee? Have you received the gift of pardon this Christmas? Think about peace. He's great in peace. He said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace with God. But you can also have the peace of God. Peace that passes understanding. Now what is peace? There's a story told about an artist entered a competition and he was to paint the uh, scene of perfect peace. One painted a tranquil scene of a lovely sunset. Another painted a lovely scene of a forest and a young couple walking with their back uh, uh, to the observer and their face to the sun and the leaves and the light and all streaming down and a few animals. And another, he painted a scene of a violent storm and he put in the middle of the raging sea a rock and in the rock he had a hollowed out place and in the little hollowed out place he had a dove and he wrote over at perfect pace. And he won the competition. You see, it's peace in the midst of the storms of life. And maybe you're here this Christmas and your life is full of problems and, and full of troubles and difficulties. And, and I want to tell you, you can have peace. Peace in your heart. And, and, and you don't have to panic. You don't have to be alarmed. You, you can go to the Lord. And, and, and he says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed in thee because he trusteth in thee. There's also a great presence doesn't the Bible say the Lord is at hand? Have we got his word? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Didn't the psalmist talk about my shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. Surely one of life's greatest blessings is to have the Savior with you on the journey of life. Isn't that what the angel said to Mary? Verse 28. The Lord is with you. Isn't that a comfort? You're not on your own as you journey through life. Your story is really his story. Do you know the Savior walking beside you? You've got the companionship and the friendship. Remember, the Solomon said, this is my beloved. This is my friend. What about his great promises? Do you know you can trust his word? I believe the word is true and faithful. Proverbs said, every word of God is pure. There's a man called Josh Medole. He was a university campus evangelist in America and he wrote a book evidence that demands a verdict and I remember reading that see see many are asking questions today is there a God is the Bible true is there a real place called heaven and hell D did the incarnation really take place the resurrection 
the death of Christ? What was that all about? Many young people are looking for answers. And they're looking for evidence. And, 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 and they need answers. Well, this is what Josh Dole suggested. Either Christ's a liar, or he's a lunatic, or he's a lord. And, and, and you can examine the evidence for yourself. It, it's all there. It's all true. Every word is pure in the book. What about his power? I, I told you before, a little acrostic in power. His eternal loving power, H-E-L-E. He has power to help you. See, he can identify this morning with the homeless. He can identify with the refugee. Didn't God say, out of Egypt have I called my son? He can identify with those that are lonely. He, he, he was known as the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. It said of him he had nowhere to lay his head. He knew about rejection. He, he knew about cruel treatment at the hands of men. This is a cruel world, isn't it? A world of conflict and uncertainty. Remember, he was unjustly tried. He was put to death. Why? No crimes of his own. He did no sin. He knew no sin. In him was no sin. He'd done nothing amiss. The Bible tells us, but this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. See, he has power. It doesn't matter what the situation is, the circumstances you find yourself in this morning. Christ can identify with you. And he can come alongside to help you because of his eternal loving power. His eternal loving power. And when you need help and you cry out, help me, Lord, he's available. He can come to your aid. And lastly, I just leave the thought with you. Mary rejoiced in the news of the Savior. She said, my spirit hath rejoiced. Think of that word. She's full of joy. Just full of gladness and just full of hope. There's a skip in her step. She just realized that God the Father has sent God the Son, God my Savior, into the world to save my precious soul. And that filled her with joy, filled her with hope, it filled her with gladness. At the news of the Savior's birth, another Christmas time, I want to ask, are you full of joy and hope and gladness? Because you can talk about my Savior today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. I wish you a blessed Christmas day. I wish you a blessed 2019. And I trust the Lord will meet all our need as families at this time. We're going to sing in closing hymn number 89. Thank you, Sister Barbara, for playing today. Even though it is Christmas Day, Rachel, thank you for coming to sing and Mark for reading.